Customer satisfaction. It is a thing that moves everything about business, but probably the most thing that most entrepreneurs ignore. Here's the thing. In this interview, I have an expert that will debunk everything you've ever needed to know about customer satisfaction, the myths, the facts, what makes you a superhero in the eyes of your clientele, and definitely what makes them say, never, ever will I ever come back again. This is your Strategic Partner Podcast. Welcome to your strategic partner podcast, where we give entrepreneurs the secrets, strategies, and processes to increase brand equity and max out revenue. Ladies and gentlemen, oh my goodness, we're back again at one more amazing, incredible episode. And uh, in this one, I have a gentleman that not only is a rock star in his field of expertise, but as a, a brother from another mother. And I know that's a cliche thing to say, but he probably knows me the most from a personal level out of anyone that I have ever done business with and anyone that I have ever featured. You may say, who the heck is this, Ali? Well, first and foremost, uh, he and I go ways, ways back, literally probably around 2010, where I met him in our very first interaction in a network marketing company. It was a telecom company. And I was invited as a guest speaker in his house. And it was the very first time I had Jamaican food. I'll never forget that day because that was the day that I got introduced to jerk chicken. It was amazing. And that meeting was spot on. Not only that, uh, we've formulated a relationship ever since where we got to collaborate again uh, a couple of years later in another opportunity and really went full force and more projects came along the way and more opportunities. And we just kept on both advancing in our own careers, in our own paths. And now more than ever, I couldn't be more excited. Um, he is a soon-to-be published author. He's a speaker. He's a trainer. He's a consultant. He is a an expert when it comes to customer satisfaction. And ladies and gentlemen, New York is in the house. The one and only Chris Bryan. What's up, my man? Hey, what's going on, Ali? How you here. feeling? Doing good. Doing good. I wish the world can see the smile that I'm seeing right now, but I bet you they can absolutely hear it. So first and foremost, brother man, uh, why don't you share with everybody uh, a fast forward version of the journey of where it all began, how it's gotten to where it is, and what are you anticipating to happen after? Oh, wow. Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And, you know, the short version is that, um, you know, my parents came to this country 20 something or more years ago, right? And they, you know, looking just like anybody else, they were looking to make sure my brother and I um, had the right foundation of education. And we took advantage of that. We're able to, you know, do the, go to good high school, college thing. When I got out of college though, and I started, you know, chasing that corporate American dream, I quickly realized that, you know, that dream was not going to be what it was cracked up to be, right? I think I saw the change, the, the current entrepreneurial environment that everyone knows. I think I kind of saw that coming down the pike. And, you know, that's where I started on my entrepreneurial journey. In addition to having, you know, the quote unquote good job, I recognized that I needed to create something for myself. And, you know, it was along that journey, and we won't go into the the details, we'll talk more about it, but it was along that journey that we met, right? And, um, you know, I learned a lot from some of the businesses that I had gotten involved with uh, in the network marketing space. Um, I think more than anything, I learned 
that you really do have to create your own future. You cannot leave it up to um, somebody else. And there's nothing wrong with having a job and, um, and, and a career and so on, but you've got to design your own destiny. And so through that, um, you know, I, I, you know, working in corporate America for 20 something years, I developed certain skills around, you know, I'm a, a mechanical engineer by trade, a quality engineer, I've been in management. And so when you're along that journey, there's certain skills that you pick up, um, you know, and I started to recognize that, you know, those skills weren't just applicable for my company, but I could use some of those skills to help the small businesses within my community to improve, right? And that's where customer satisfaction services was born um, officially two years ago, but it started before that, right? And, um, you know, that's where this crazy idea of, you know, writing this book, but then turning that into, um, you know, my mission, which is really building better communities through customer satisfaction. Uh, and the book is about to be released any day. The official title is Customer Satisfaction. It's not just your promise, it's your business. I'm mean, really excited because that's just the beginning. You know, it's really just the beginning. And I'm going to really be able to focus on taking the information and helping to do what I'm saying, which is help small businesses to, to grow and not just survive, but to thrive as we move, you know, past this COVID thing through it, I should say, and then past it going forward. That's awesome. And, and, and uh, it's incredible to hear the journey. I lived along that with you. Yeah. And to kind of do a quick flashback, that was pretty awesome. You know, one thing that caught my attention is we both are, you know, we, we both come to the United States, you know, our parents came and to give us a better mm -hmm. opportunity. I have 18 years in the States now, you have 20 mm -hmm. plus. And, uh, um, the whole movement, the mission that you have about customer satisfaction was not a matter of a business deal for you. It wasn't just a matter of like, hey, I can make money with this niche. It was a personal matter. I'll never forget the first day when you told me how, you know, about Jamaican restaurants and the reputation that you saw that was being built. You were like, I got to do something because it was like a personal matter. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I mean, listen, man. I couldn't help myself. Every time I would go out, right? Listen, I love my I love my culture. I love my Jamaican food, right? And so naturally, you know, when when I would go out and I would try to experience that through food, right? Very often the the service that you would get would be such a turnoff that had I not been, you know, if I was of another culture, I wouldn't definitely wouldn't come back, right? But even um, knowing what I know and knowing that, that some of these places could do better, it would bug me to the point that, you know, whoever I was, people I would be around, they would get annoyed because, Chris, you're always talking about that, right? And um, when I had a turning point in my, in my life and I was thinking of, you know, what I was going to do next and so on, I realized that, you know what, this was something that really annoyed me and I had what it took. I had the skills to make a dent and make a difference. So um, that's really where it grew out of. And, um, you know, and we're along that journey, making that happen. And, and it's interesting that you're, what you do by trade for the company that you work for, 
had really nothing to do and at the same time everything to do with customer satisfaction meaning that you were always evaluating to find the best quality possible which is part of customer satisfaction tell us about the two worlds that are parallel yet so far away you being in you know your 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 day grind Mm -hmm. focusing on making sure that there's the best of the best of of the products that the company offers Mm-hmm. And on the other side, you're like, okay, how do I implement this skill set, these eyes, this vision that I have in creating my own dream? Because a lot of entrepreneurs, they are very skilled at their jobs per se, but then they have a hard time transitioning or applying the same skill set to create the same success at a job on a business. How, how were you able to kind of make both worlds exist with the same skill set? Mm, very good. They you call know, that a great. deep question, by the way. <laughs> I think what it came down to was when I sat down, it was a problem in front of me, right? The, this issue. And, but having that, it, the thought process when, in my training, right? In my, over the last 25, whatever years, being, when, you, when you're an engineer, you start to learn to think in a certain way, right? How do you fix a problem? How do you di- diagnose what the issue is? How do you get to the root cause? And so as I started to write this book and really more than the book, develop the, the process for my business, I realized that the approach that I was using was really from that engineering mindset approach, right? So what, what ended up happening, I didn't realize I was doing it, but it was basically, it's, it's in me, right? Um, so it became natural to me that, okay, I need, this is my goal. This is the problem I'm trying to solve. Well, how do you get to the end goal of the problem? Well, you start with the beginning and the same skills of process mapping, of identifying a root cause. You know, these are things that if you if you're working a technical field or engineer that you're you're used to. And it just came out of me that it's just that the problem that I was trying to solve was a personal thing now. It's something that touched me and but the same approach. Um, you know, one of the things I say, and I talk about it in my book and every chance I get to talk is you need to build transferable skills with whatever we do, right? So even, you know, a lot of the the ventures that we were involved in, some of those companies, you know, um, I didn't know it at the time, right? But some of those skills that we developed, whether it's marketing or sales or, you know, the, the, the engineering mindset, you definitely want to, whatever you're doing, make sure that what you're getting out of it, more than just the paycheck, you're getting some skills along the way that regardless of what happens in the future, you no one can take those skills from you because you know them, you, you learn them, and you can take that with you too, whether it's your next job or whether you're going to start a new business or whatever. But I think that's a key thing um, in terms of the link between the two was those transferable skills that I, 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 um, I create, I, I developed them, right? And I was able to take them and take it on into this new venture that I'm doing right now. Spot on. Ladies and gentlemen, stick with us. We'll be right back after this quick break. And we're going to dig a little bit deeper on some of the elements that Chris has learned from MLM or has learned not to do from MLM. We'll be right back. Hey, Ali Midawi here, the author of The Lion Network Marketer. You may be one of the 47,000 people who have purchased the original book five years ago. 
but today we have recorded the audiobook version. But for every chapter from 2016's launch, we've added a new chapter from 2020. Pick up your copy today at no cost to you in winwithali.com. Welcome back, your strategic partner here, Ali Madawi, and we are with the one and only Chris Bryan. And uh, Chris, let's dig a little bit deeper. You and I spent a bulk of our professional career in network marketing, direct sales, MLM, whatever you want to call it. And one thing that I know for a fact that most people that come into network marketing, no offense, but that's just the culture, is the commission breath. I just got to do it for the commission. You know, if you quit a month later, well, at least I got my, my volume. Um, you know, what have you learned from the different companies that we've been mm -hmm. with? And sometimes some companies had horrible customer share. I mean, we call ourselves support and they're like, I can't believe they talk to me like this. What are they telling my customers? So share with me some of the things that might have impacted the path that you are in directly from network marketing. Wow. All right. So I learned a lot, man. I learned oh, the way you want to start. How long do you have? No, I think number one, I learned that, you know, I think that the basic concept of network marketing in its purest form, right, is a good thing. And I, and when I'm saying that in, in terms of you can't do everything yourself. And if you can create something and you can share in the benefits of it with others and get their vested interest, right? You can grow more than you can do by yourself. And I have every intention as my business grows to employ some of those basic concepts, right? Um, and I think for any business owner, you you can't, you can't do everything yourself. And the more you could have your people invested in, in the bottom line, right. Versus just collecting a paycheck, then they have, like, they have more vested interest and it's, it's a best beneficial to both. So I think that's the pure concept of network marketing that I still hold true. I learned a lot of things of along the way of how not to do things, you know, in terms of integrity, um, in terms of, I think, you know, it, I hope I don't rant, Ali, but one of the things that I don't like, you know, is the challenge that I found with network marketing is that you never knew what was really, really, really going on. Everything was rosy and perfect. In here, come, here comes the hate mail, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, man. A everything is perfect and rosy in front of the curtain, right? and you're charging forward 100%, and any second, boom, the rug gets pulled out and everything, and, and you had no clue whatsoever. You know, I've had a chance to think about this stuff a little. It may not be that much different with corporate America, though, when you really come to think about it, but I think the difference with corporate America, I think with network marketing, people are investing so much more, right, in terms of emotionally. They, they're investing their heart and their soul. They're bringing people that they love and involve and, and people, the people that are really doing it are, you know, you're giving it 110%. So when that happens, um, I think, um, you know, but, but as I've thought about it further, I think, you know, that may not be much different than corporate America because you don't know, you know, depending on where your level is, you don't know everything that's going on and so on. But I think the, the vested interest may be, 
not as much there. So, I mean, I probably, dude, we could spend another hour on this topic, but I'm not going to do that. But I think those are two, two of the big things, two of the big things. Yeah. I, and I shared that, that with you in, in a, in a major, major way. I, I wrote a whole book about it. Shameless plug, the line network marketer now available in winwithali.com. Now here's the thing. Um, Personally, I, I love network marketing. I really, really do. I, I just think there's a lot of there is a lot of lack of regulations. You know, if network marketing uh, required you to get licensed like a realtor, it'll be a whole different ball game. As a matter of fact, they actually do that in Japan and in South Korea. You cannot be in network marketing unless you are licensed. So, you know, it minimizes all those, you know, bad, you know, mishap. Like you find people who are in real estate or, or, or life insurance who would literally say, no, I can't do this. I can't do that. I could lose my license. Right. Well, could you imagine if network marketing required a license? It'll be the yeah. same exact. It'll be a lot lesser bad people in it because yeah. usually they're lazy. They don't want to go through the whole thing. Right. Um, but uh, I, I, I share that with you. I mean, I, I'll never forget. Um, just recently I became a customer to support a, a buddy of mine on uh, a network marketing company. Uh, they have different services and so on and so forth. And whatever I was being charged every single week, there would be a charge. And I was like, Hey, what's, what are these charges? Like I keep seeing these. Oh, it's for this, for this, for this, for this. And I, so I call the local, um, supplier. It was energy <laughs> surprise. I called the local supplier and I'm like, Hey, I, I just want to understand what's going on. And I was told to call and confirm with you guys. They're like, listen, there is no such thing. I'm not sure what you're paying for, blah, blah, blah. So I, when I call back and I just, Hey, I just got off the phone. I just want to get, this is what I ask. I just want to get educated, sir. I'm not sure what you're asking us here. I was like, um, you know, so just that reaction, it got me to be like, um, I don't want to do business with such a company. So what I'm getting at, there are a lot of people who are blinded yeah. and they don't see what actually is going wrong. Yeah. Could you give us some examples from the individuals and or companies that you've worked with of some of the obvious red flags that are right in front of you that may be a bomb to explode your business, if any at all? Yeah, you know what I'll say, Ali? I mean, here's, here's what I know. There's, when it comes to like health and wellness, right? And uh, hopefully this will answer your question. But there's two areas that I'm really skeptical or very leery on in terms of network marketing. Health and wellness is one, right? And another one is crypto, right? And, and, and the reason is because it gets very foggy and cloudy. And, um, you know, so I would definitely stay away from those particular areas. No, listen, I don't know everything. I don't know every company, whatever. But I've just found in my experience that those are just areas that there's just so much misinformation that's fed. And really as a customer, you often don't really know how to sort what's real from what's not. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, hopefully that answers the question, but... Um, no, it does. How about a, a mom and pop, like a restaurant or, or you know, just a local store? If, if I'm a business owner, what are some of the things that you would advise me to pay attention to in terms of customer satisfaction right off the bat? Yeah. So, you know, it's very basic stuff, man. I, you know, what I say is if you just stop being, stop 
take your owner hat off, right? And just step back and just observe what's going on and even walk through your business from the customer's perspective, right? And you could actually see, you know, see the customer experience, you know, actually take that journey, whether it's physically, if it's in a retail situation or if you're online, you know, but actually do the act, the action of walking through the business from the customer's perspective. And then when you do that and you bring employees, your employees into it also, right? You will get and understand what all of the problems that your, your business is gonna have, that all, every, single, every single problem that your customer is gonna face, you'll be able to identify them up front. And the good thing about that, once you've identified them, now you can solve them, actually solve them in advance, right? So imagine having a business where you have no issues. And I'm not, it's not that you don't have issues, but you've identified those issues, potential issues in advance and fix them in advance so that, you know, basically you'll, you'll eliminate, them, eliminate the majority of the issues that your customers are going to come across. Even something as simple as reading your reviews, you know, people... People take the time, they complain, right, about something. Now, you could either do two things. Some people get mad. They get angry at the customer for making a complaint, right? Um, and, you know, and I'm not saying they're always 100% accurate. Sometimes they embellish and they, you know, even if they lie, whatever. But there's a reason why the person took the time to do that. Why don't you get the most that you can out of that? Dig into that complaint, find out what the issue was. I say it's like free research and development. They're telling you, if you fix this, if you do this, I'll buy, you know, I'm, I'm willing to come back and spend money based on you addressing these issues. So I think that's one of the, one of the big ones is even just something as basic as complaints. They call that money on the bag. Uh, yeah. I, I totally agree with you. You know, uh, it, there's no better uh, feedback than an actual angry customer's feedback mm -hmm. because you're right. You know how much you have to like really get me going in order for me to take the time out of my life and look up your website and right. look at Yelp and go and be like, oh, I'm going to write it. Wait, I misspelled that one. Go back, go back a little and fix it and make sure it is grammatically correct. Just so that the world that that review is probably going to be forgotten about by tomorrow has to hear me out. Yeah. That means that that person got to the edge, that they weren't heard, they weren't listened to, they weren't adhered to. So yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on. Hey, we're, we're going to get a little bit more personal about your upcoming after this break and uh, who Chris Bryan was as a youngster yeah. because your past usually identifies your future in some ways at least. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hi. My name is Ali Midawi, and I have spoken over 500 conferences in three languages, including TEDx and many Fortune 100 companies, sold books in seven countries, and I focus on helping struggling entrepreneurs to leverage social media and a digital space to create brand equity and revenue. Visit me today at winwithali.com and let me show you how we can grow your financial bottom line and help you expand with momentum. Hey, hey, your strategic partner podcast, Ali Medawi with Chris Bryan. Uh, so, Chris, you and I go, uh, we, we, could, we could say we go way back. Uh, we hung out together. We had drinks together. We broke bread together. 
we got frustrated together. We had companies that shut down on us together. And I'm, I'm comfortable to say that I know you enough to know who you are. Um, where, where'd you go to high school? I went to high school, Brooklyn Tech High School in, uh, in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. And was, was, uh, was it the cool boy Chris Bryan or the quiet boy Chris Bryan? Um, no, you see, so I went to Brooklyn Tech, but I lived in the Bronx. So Brooklyn Tech for those is, you know, just not to brag, but Brooklyn Tech is one of the specialized high schools in New York, right? You got to take a test to get into. So that's the reason why I would travel all the way from the Bronx to go to Brooklyn Tech. So because I, I had to do an hour and a half train ride each way every day. So I didn't really, I didn't hang out after high school. I mean, I'll tell you a little secret. I didn't even go to my high school prom, you know what I'm saying? But it was because I, you know, it was, the school was about just going to school and making it home, you know, and I would hang out at home and, and have friends primarily at home. But it was, man, it's just surviving, man, getting, getting to school and getting back to the Bronx. Well, you know, I know for myself, uh, growing up in, uh, I wouldn't say conservative, but an old school family yeah. mindset, uh, I would take it you had old school minded parents. Tell me a little bit about that and transitioning into this, you know, American society growing young man versus, hey, this is not how we do things. How, talk to me about the, those dynamics um, and especially how it impacted you to become who you are today. Yeah, that's a good good point. Yeah, I mean, my um, my parents were, you know, very, you know, traditional. Um, they stress hard work and education. And I really learned, and I learned different things from both my father and my mother. I think my father really impacted the entrepreneurial spirit that I have really came from my father, right? Um, he would stress education and, you know, he would stress, um, you know, also, but in coming to the U.S., see my father, he had gotten, you know, he, he, he'd come to the United States, before we moved here, he got his master's degree. Then they moved back to Jamaica, right? So they were doing okay. But when they decided to come to the United States, they started over from zero. So whatever careers they had at whatever degrees or whatever they had in Jamaica, they started over. And my father, who was more of an analytical science background, whatever, he went into sales. So he sold insurance for, I don't remember how many, 30 something years here in the US. So I got to see you know, so everything in terms of planning, in terms of sales and prospecting and that type of stuff um, was really driven from my father's side, you know. And so I think um, for me seeing that, I got, a, um, I got an affinity and I got a taste of what it means that if you, you know, what a client, ha someone having a client and servicing the clients and going to see clients and, and that type of thing. I really got from my father's side. I think the 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 caring and the stuff like that really came from my mother. But you know, being Jamaican is definitely all about hard work, hard work. That, that's awesome. You, you mentioned starting from zero. Mm -hmm. You and I have had to do that a couple of times in our oh, lives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, talk to me about that mindset because it requires a specific amount of resilience. I mean, yes. at times you, you feel that knot on your throat, you want to cry, you want to scream, you want to, 
yeah. you know, look up to the sky and say, why me many times? Yeah. Um, talk to us about that mindset. And, and the reason I ask, you know, and I know entrepreneurs are always on a lonely path. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it is. And we have to have a lot of resilience where you generate yours from. Mm. I think at the end of the day, you got to go back to, you know, this is not to be corny, but you're, you're why, you know, I'm not doing it for this person. I'm not doing it for this upline. I'm doing this for me. And I would get mad. Like, you know what? You're not going to stop me. Like you may shut this down or you may block this path, but you're not going to stop me from accomplishing my long-term goals because I know why I'm in this for. And, um, you know, one of my favorite words in the, if you had to put, if I had to put a word on my tombstone, I want it to be tenacity, right? Tenacity, being tenacious. And, you know, you gotta, you know, you may have to change courses or whatever, but your end goal, you know, you have to keep focused and don't let anyone you know, prevent you from getting to where, but you get, you know, you're going to get discouraged and I trust me, man, we've been there. I've been, you know, discouraged many a time. And it's because, you know, you buy into something and you believe in it. Right. And you're going down that road and you're putting a hundred percent, but then when that shifts and the rug falls out from under you, you know, you get discouraged because you wonder if, Hmm, was this, am I really doing the right thing? You know? And, but you got to get, like I said before, you got to focus on your end goal and keep going. You may have to change up, switch up, move. You know, what's the favorite word of 2020 was pivot, right? You know, and you may have to pivot, but you got to do it because it's about, about you, it's about your family, it's about your goals. And um, so, you know, and you got to be tenacious. Tenacious it is. Hey, um, I, uh, I've seen some pictures and videos mm -hmm. from your college days. Uh -oh. Back in the days where, you know, you still brushing the hair and dancing with your yeah. fraternity. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, need, I need you to tell me a little bit about that experience. I've never been part of a fraternity. Yeah. But, you know, what does that mean to you yeah. still till this day? Because clearly you still have a bond with that organization. And how did that make you, again, part of who you are today? Wow. You know what? Um, me joining my fraternity and was actually one of those, you know, in your life, you have like pivotal things. Um, it was one of those for me because it took a lot of dedication to actually, um, and this is back in the day a while ago. So at that time, it took a lot of dedication. I leave it at dedication. It took a lot of um, to make it through. And it was one of the things that I had to commit to the most in order to achieve what I wanted to. So that was like one of the early in my life, one of the things that I had to put the most towards to get what I wanted. And, um, you know, you talked about, you know, watching some of those, believe it or not, you know, um, I was the guy, the party guy. I was the party guy, the loud one, you know, the one who um, was uh, out there and hanging out and having fun. But I think I knew how to balance it a little. But that experience, and we still, in our in our own way, listen, we're all older dudes now with kids and da da da, da but, you know, with, with family. But we managed to, yeah, we definitely managed to maintain um, those friendships and that bond. And it's different. Um, but 
but it doesn't just come naturally either. You know, with any relation, like with any relationship, you got to work on it. You got to reach out. You got to, you know, we've gone through this, right? Where you and I, where we haven't spoken in a couple months or whatever, but we catch back up and it's right there, but you got to make the effort because it's very easy to naturally for things or people or friends or whatever to grow distant and grow apart, but you got to make the effort to, um, to, you know, to, to maintain that. So we've seen that. And um, it's so funny that even during this pandemic, um, one of the highlights of 2020 was in my, my fraternity brothers and I, we started, we've been, we've been meeting every, well, we started to do it every single Sunday from the pandemic hit, we would jump on a, uh, on a zoom call and we've gotten some, made some great accomplishments out of it in terms of doing things related to, um, you know, things that we can affect change, you know, started out just connecting and just catching back up, but we use that time to, um, to, you know, what can we do to solve some of the issues around social change and, and things that you see happening out there. So that was a, that was a, a key part of my growing uh, my college and younger experience was that and um, been able to maintain it somewhat um, as the years have gone on. Right on. We're going to take one last break and then we're going to come back with Chris Bryan and we're going to dig a little bit more into uh, customer satisfaction is not just your promise. It's your business. And oh my goodness, I got an opportunity to take a sneak peek uh, at the book. And uh, I'm going to quote one more part of his book that you're going to want to hear. And I think it will be a pivotal moment of this interview. We'll be right back. Are you a hopeful or struggling entrepreneur? We'd like to introduce you to Yep, an entrepreneurial community that has expanded over six continents and helped over 5,000 individuals. The Young Entrepreneur Project would allow you to start, scale, or grow your business at the level you desire by providing you with a library of unlimited trainers and modules, a marketplace where you can lower all of your expenses, increase your capital, and even the opportunity to become a contributor, a speaker, and a trainer, or even get paid to mentor others within the platform. Learn more today at winwithali.com. Hey, hey, welcome back. It's your boy Ali Madawi with your strategic partner podcast. And we have the one and only Chris Bryan. Uh, we're going to dig uh, dig deep into, I sound like Sean T, dig deep. We're going to dig deep into uh, your book, Customer Satisfaction. Uh, it's not just your promise, it's your business. And there is one part of the book that I would like to read out loud with your permission. Uh, I got permission, yes. Okay, because the book is not released, so I just want to make sure. Uh, I'm going to read this one part, and, and I would love for you to elaborate on it. And here's what it says. Being a visual person, I had to immerse myself in an environment that would inspire me to write. I became familiar with almost every Starbucks across Long Island, New York, as I would often write and develop my business as I sipped on some ice green tea or a hot medicine ball. Being in that environment inspired me to research and identify the various systems that needed to be in place for someone who wanted to make a claim of being able to guarantee the satisfaction of their customers. That was pretty deep. Can you elaborate on your thought process as you were writing that? And what do you really mean uh, by that part? Yeah. 
So, and, and that's so very true that, you know, um, I really needed to put myself, I want to really be able to make that claim of guaranteeing customer satisfaction. And I get into, I won't say arguments, but discussions often with, with people who challenge me on that. Um, but I wanted to make sure that, um, you know, I really understood that every single issue, and I mentioned this a little before, but every single issue, every single challenge that a customer has when it comes to your business, that you can solve it, fix it, and have every customer walk out the door referring, willing to refer business, right? And, and, and so coming back to your quote, I kind of had to put myself in the environment and, um, and just kind of, um, and you know, my, my book is not only about restaurants, right? But I think that was the starting point, um, you know, uh, you know, to, to kind of get my mind working and flowing. But what I think is that, um, you know, if as a business owner, you really go in with the intention of, listen, man, every customer that walks out my door, I want them to come back, number one, right? And I want them to refer business. Imagine if you were able to do that, right? In terms of revenue, right? Your 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 need for advertising would be so much less, right? And the value the value that that customer is going to bring, the lifetime customer value, I think they said it's about twenty times of the original per purchase is about the about, about twenty times if you keep that customer referring over over the long term. So for me, it really comes down to um, that business owner finding out, identifying what those issues are going to be, right? And putting in place the solutions in advance, either to not have those problems ever happen, or when they do happen, and this is the second half of when I say guarantee, is because this is the real world, right? You're not going to, nothing's going to be perfect, perfect and sunshine and rainbows. But if you know that, you know what? If you, if you put something in place and you empower your employees to know, hey, listen, if when such and such happens and the customer is not happy, here's what you have the leeway to do. And you empower them and you train them so that they can offer, oh, sorry, sir, but here's a 10% gift card or the next time you come back, we'll comp your meal or, or whatever it is and whatever is right for your business, right? But when you've done that already and you have that available and in place, you don't have to be there every single day. You know that you have employees that they know what to do. They're empowered to do it. They're trained. They're going to execute in the manner that you're going to be satisfactory with. Um, but again, really the bottom line for me is being able to say that I can guarantee my customers being satisfied, but it not just being an empty promise that there's something behind it that actionable, right? That you can actually do. So th that was what was in my mind when I was writing that. And I definitely had to put myself in that environment to bring some of that out. My, my favorite thing that you started the book with um, mm -hmm. a, a quote, and it said, anyone who thinks customers aren't important should mm -hmm. try doing yeah. without them for a week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. It's, it's, simple, it's so true. Right? It's simple, but it's, it's true. Very, yeah. Yeah. I mean, people get so caught up in, 
I, I would say customer satisfaction. It's, you know, it's common, it's common sense, right? But it's not always common practice. And what annoys me, and this, you, you, I, you talked about before the tie-in with what I do, what I did, corporate America, it's the same with quality. Everyone wants, you know, make these claims. Oh yeah, we have a hundred percent quality guaranteed, you know, um, and, and, or we love our customers or, you know, all these cliches, right? These things, but they're very often, they're just empty sayings that everyone says. No one will, no one will ever say, oh, I don't love my customers or, you know, my customers aren't important to me. Yeah, but it's not about what you're saying. It's about what are you doing and what actions are you taking and, you know, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, behind the scenes to make those claims. So when I, and this funny thing, it says quote unknown. I really, I, I don't even remember where that came from. I really cannot even tell you where, where I got that from, but it's a very profound, uh, you know, statement. I thought it was a good way to start yeah. it. No, it definitely did. Yep. Uh, I know this book is just the very first one of many. Yes. Um, yes. You know, it, it may be premature, it may be early, but I do have to ask: mm -hmm. are, do you, are you thinking legacy? Like, when you think what your legacy is going to look like, what what is that like? Is that something that you think about, or too early? Yeah. No, it's not too early. I, I mean, I think about it. Um, I listen, man. I have I have two kids, right? You've met them, Alec and Kendall. And you notice from back in the day, they watch you, right? Your, your son, Sebastian, and now your daughter, right? They are learning from you either, um, even when you don't realize it, right? But they're watching you. And I know that, um, you know, number one, you, you have to progress and you got to finish what you start, even if you pivot a little bit or whatever, right? But you got to do that. So legacy is absolutely something that is important to me. Um, you know, I always knew that, listen, I can't leave my job for my kids, right? Um, I, but I can leave them with work ethic, right? I can leave them with um, certain ways of thinking about the world. Um, you know, and listen, money, money comes and goes. Uh, you know, I mean, back in the day, I would, I would probably said, oh, yeah, you can leave them with money. And yeah, that's, listen, let's not be silly and not think money is important because it is. But I absolutely do think about, you know, and I'm, I'm getting to that age where I want to know, um, you know, when I'm no longer here, we're all not going to be here anymore at some point in time, right? And COVID, last year and COVID really brought that front and center that, you know, well, what are, what's going to be your legacy? What's, what's going to be left behind when you're no longer there, right? And if I can put a small dent in, in the world, if I could make a small impact on some of the small businesses in my community, um, whether it's one, whether it's five, whether it's 10 or a thousand, right? If, if, if it could be known that, yeah, Chris Ryan was fighting for the small businesses in, in his community and wanted them to better represent their culture, right? Um, if, if that could be part of my legacy, I'll be very, uh, very happy. So legacy, that's a big word, ain't it? Yep. Um, when Alec and Kildon, Kindle are going to hear this podcast, what would you like them to take away from it? Wow. Um, I'd like them to take away that, listen, your dad was not perfect, but he was always 
looking to do his best in the long term. You know, I want them to know that I love them very much. And, and that all that I do, um, you know, is with them in mind. And even whether I'm physically there or not, you know, that drives quite a bit of the decisions that I make. And, um, you know, so that's this don't, you know, don't get me going, man. I, <laughs> no, but that's really, um, I, I want them to, because you know, they're going to grow up and they're going to understand things from a different perspective. And, um, and I, I really want them to, to be able to, to get that about the legacy that I want to leave behind and make a difference in the world for, for them and, uh, and in general. Right on. So in the comment or in the copy, wherever you are listening to this, uh, we're going to put the contact information and links and websites from uh, Chris. But Chris, uh, what would you like to uh, uh, provide for our listeners to connect with you and or uh, look up your information and if they even wanted to collaborate with you? Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a number of ways. Number one, you can you can purchase the book by going to customersatisfactionbook.com, right? So that's customersatisfactionbook.com. You can either pre-order the book or order the book. I'm going to have a number of bonuses for people that are able to, uh, that go ahead and pre-order the book. Um, but also you can connect with me and all that I have um, going on through my link tree at um, customer satisfaction services. Uh, if you go to Linktree and just put in customer satisfaction services, you can connect with all of my, um, you know, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, there. So. Cool. And we'll have all of that on the copy of this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule and God willing, you've picked up uh, what we've put down. And that is customer satisfaction is an important piece of your business, no matter what business you are in. Um, it, it's not just your promise. It is your business. And I look forward for the book and, uh, keep in mind, if you are a struggling entrepreneur who's looking to leverage the social media and the digital space to create brand equity and revenue, make sure you visit winwithali.com. And, or if you need to download and have not done so yet, our audiobook is 100% complimentary and available in winwithali.com. And until next time, Hey, Chris, tell them peace out, everybody. Take care guys. Peace. Peace.